Well, I'm not often short on energy, but I got a little bit extra today because I'm not actually going to be giving the message. I didn't lead worship. I'm just getting to host uh, one of my good friends, my pastor, our founding pastor, Pastor Stephen Martin. I want to invite you on up to the stage with me. Many of you know, and some of you may not, that Vintage is a family of churches, and uh, that was something that was started by this man right here just over 10 years ago in Harker Heights, Texas, and uh, about three years ago, we launched a location in Belton, Texas, and two years ago, we launched one here in Liberty Hill, and it is such an honor to be a part of the Vintage family of churches, and it's an honor to have you here with us today. Thank you, man, for everything you you do for us. Thank you. you. Love you, man. Excited to be here. Liberty Hill, how are you doing? Man, how are you doing? It has been a little while since I've been here. I I was talking with Pastor Nate, and we get to hang out all the time, and and it's been over a year since I've spoken here. And here's the reality. The reality is you guys are so easygoing. Those people in Harker Heights and Belton, man, they keep me busy. They got all these problems that are constantly taking up my time. So thank you guys so much. I'm going to make a concerted effort to be around a little bit more. I was honestly blown away. Uh, you guys just celebrated two years. I, uh, I walked through this door this morning and you could feel the spiritual maturity in this place. It's unbelievable what God does. You know, we call ourselves a family of churches. Uh, we're not a cookie cutter. We're not a franchise. That's not how it works. What happens is we be- believe that God uh, brings together uh, leaders and we can do ministry stronger together. And so each church really grows in its own, in its own way. You know, it took us uh, 10 years. We're a different church than we were the first year uh, and the third year. And it's been interesting since we've planted Belton and Liberty Hill, uh, uh, how much God is accelerating that process. I'm just going to tell you what I felt last night or what I felt this morning coming in after not being here for a year, it took us probably like six years to get there. It's unbelievable after two years, all the people serving, giving, moving forward. I will tell you, listen, we are believing God that he will lead us by his Holy Spirit to the right location. I know you guys are excited about a location. Y'all excited about that? All right, now listen, having done this before, I know what it means to be pushed, right, into something. The Holy Spirit always leads. And here's what I know. When I feel something like that coming in, God is preparing us for something so much bigger. And when churches grow, what happens is you come to a place where God brings a building miracle. It's happened in both of our other locations. I work with pastors all over the country. The church I grew up in, it happens, and it's always so much greater. But listen, okay, you never rise to the occasion. You always fall to the level of your what? preparation okay and so that's what God's doing in this place he's preparing you I want to encourage you continue to serve this is why we do egg hunts this is why we invite people uh, for Easter there is nothing that will change our world like the person of Jesus Christ that's just true you look around things and there's all kinds of things going on in our world Jesus really is the answer I want to encourage you to continue to be faithful continue to give continue to serve it really is encouraging uh, to be here today I'm excited to jump in to I believe it's week six is it week six week six of our series called reframe we've been taking a look at what the Bible has to say about really whole life health you know there are lots of people in the world I don't know if you've thought about this but there are all kinds of theories hovering in the world. And one of the things I love about the Word of God is He doesn't call you to build your life on the theories of the world, but on the truth of Scripture. What does that mean? This book is not just a history book about something that happened. It's a book about what always happens. It's an eternal book. It's not just a book that you open and you read once. It's a book that you read every single year and it continues to act like a mirror back into your life, showing you what's right and correcting what's wrong. It's incredible. Listen, truth is not created or invented by people. Okay, is it, it, it is either discovered by us through what God has made or it's revealed specifically, objectively to us 
through what he's revealed in his word to us. And that's really what we're going to be talking about. The theme of our entire series is Jeremiah 29, 13. The Lord says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all. Everyone say all. All, I've studied that word. Theologically, I've studied it in Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. All in the original language means all. Not just part, not just a piece, you know, our world. And we're going to talk about how to, we're going to talk about how to reframe your mind. We're going to focus today on mental health according to the Bible. It's interesting when you look at this world, they're trying to fragment our mind, trying to compartmentalize our lives, right? But that's not how God created us to thrive. He created us to thrive from our spirit through our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's our thinker, our feeler, and our chooser. Okay, that has to be defined by the spirit of God, and it works its way out through our five senses, how we interact uh, with others in the world. You know, when I talk about reframing your mind, we're really building a foundation of this idea that God wants it all. One of my very favorite scriptures is Romans chapter 10, verse, verses 9 and 10, where it talks about if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God is Lord, you'll be, you'll be saved. What, what, what it's talking about here, a lot of people want salvation without lordship. What do you confess Jesus as? Your Lord, L-O-R-D. You know what that means? Over everything. Not over some things, but over everything. Today, I'm gonna share a scripture with you today that really, it changed my life. I've read it. For years, I've taught it. Something jumped out to me a couple years ago that I think is really going to help us as we're talking about reframing our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Rome, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How does he do that? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. How many of you, by a show of hands, You desire with all of your heart to learn God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. Look at this scripture. I missed this for years. What is the requirement? What is the first thing that you must do to begin to allow God to change the way that you think? According to that scripture. I missed it. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Do not think that God his best for you is going to come thinking like the world. What's the first thing you have to do? You have to determine in your mind that there is a God in heaven and you are not him. I'm going to practice something. It's so good for me sometimes when I get all puffy. Okay, I always say, everyone say this. It's so healthy. It's very, very therapeutic. Say, I am not God. Oh, it's so good, right? You know what that means? I don't have to be him. I don't have to know everything to do the next thing he's told me to do. I don't have to be all powerful to overcome the obstacle in my life that is too big for me. Now, it also does say that there are things that I have to do. I'm not God, I am me. I'm created in his image to do incredible things in this world, but it won't be according to the standards of this world. It'll be according to God. You know, I learned this years ago uh, when I first gave my life to Christ. I was immature. There were all kinds of problems. There's still all kinds of problems. I've just matured a little bit on it. But all kinds of these issues. And I remember crying out to God, God, bless me. God, I need you. God, bless what I'm doing. God, help me with this problem. You know, when I started reading the word of God and I started learning his ways, you know, God has a way. There's a way that God thinks. That's what the apostle Paul is leading to there. When I started learning the Bible, here's what I realized. There are things in the word of God that he already blesses. That the mature prayer is actually praying, God, show me where in my life 
I'm not under your word because under your word is protection. Standing on your word is sure footing. You know, a lot of us, we ask this question, is God with me? That's the wrong question. The question, and this is gonna serve as a foundation for the next few moments. The question you need to ask yourself is, am I with God? Am I with God? God is more interested in who you are becoming or how you think than what you are doing. Why is that important? Because every single thing, good and bad in your life, originates between your ears. You have a choice. You know, this is a a formula that I've used in my life for years. It's not in your notes. I'm just going to go over a little bit and give it to you. But it's the word of God that actually changes how we think. It's the word of God that informs how we walk and what we believe. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit inspired those words. You know what happens when you and I give our lives to Christ? John 3, 3. You might remember my friend Nick, right? He says, what must must I do to see the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, you must be born again. And Nick was only thinking naturally. He wasn't thinking supernaturally. God said, you gotta be born again. When you give your life to Christ, the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is also called the spirit of adoption. It's a miracle that happens in you. You have a deposit. What did we just feel in worship? Now, no doubt, that team is incredible. They're talented. They love God. You can feel the spirit. But I'm going to tell you what we felt in worship just then, the presence of God. How many of you want more of the presence of God in your life? You know why it felt different there? It felt different there because the spirit in you, the spirit in you, the spirit in you, the spirit in you, it was a manifest presence of God. Here's what I would say. The church is incredibly essential. You know what happens when you learn the Bible? What happens when the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption is also called the spirit of truth, begins to walk you in truth? God puts you in a place where you can begin to see through the Holy Spirit a vision for your life. This is what happens next. The Bible changes how you think. The Holy Spirit gives you vision. Write that down. And I don't just mean broad vision, you know? Like, oh, the vision for the world or the country. No, 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 no. I mean the vision for you. You know, as a pastor, I couldn't possibly understand every little thing going on in your life, but God does. I don't know every little answer in turn. I don't know if you should take that job or not. I can give you some principles, but there's gonna come a time in your life when you're beginning to apply God's word where you have to learn on your own to hear the spirit of God. Here's a a pro tip. You want a pro tip? The spirit of God never accuses. The Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. If you hear an accusing voice in in your head, that is not God. You know what God does? He asks questions. And those questions always help you because he already knows the answer. He just wants you to be able to identify where you are. Why? Because he wants to move you. You can't get to where he's called you to go if you don't know where you're you're at. We see it all the time. Adam and Eve sinned. What happened? He comes in. Do you really think he didn't know where they were? He walks up and he says, where are you? It wasn't for him. It was for them. When Cain killed Abel, where is your brother? Jesus, many times. You know, you don't have to ask every question somebody asks you. You can just respond with the question. Jesus did it all the time. It ticked people off. But man, it taught a lot of people the bigger picture. Jesus would oftentimes ask a question. You know what? I'll answer your question, but first you answer mine. God always asks questions. You need to be able to hear the spirit of God. He will never violate what he's taught you in his word. It changes the way you think. He gives you a vision for your life should you take that job. How should you raise your kids? I have four kids and they're all totally different. Totally different. I I didn't see that coming. I thought there were just principles in the world and like a book, you know? You have to have a driver's license, drive a car. Just figure there's like a book somewhere that kind of showed me how to raise, you know, kids. They were all the same. They're not. They're totally different. You need the wisdom of God on how to deal with each one of your kids. There certainly are some principles, but you need vision, right? But then here's what God does, and this is incredible. 
God doesn't just save you. You're not just born again, but he plants you. He places you in this place called the local church. The word used by Jesus in Matthew is the word ecclesia. The word is not, listen, we're not, talking about, we're not talking about the YMCA here. We're not talking about the sports club. We're not talking about common interests. And no, 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 no. We're talking about a spirit-filled, spirit-embodied group of believers that change the world. You know, the New Testament was written by Paul, and a lot of times you'll see scriptures online and you'll see people misapplying the scripture, but, but consider who it was written to. The scripture, in the letters to the church weren't written to the world. They were written to the church for the church. You know what happens when we learn things here, when we grow, when we stumble, we learn, we get back up, we sharpen each other, we grow together. You know what happens? We can actually be the salt and light to the earth. Look at the world. It's dark. It needs light. Where there is light, there cannot be darkness. You know, we're also salt. Salt's two things. It preserves things. It preserves things. It also gives some taste. It's incredible. Many of us, we can't be salty and we can't be light because we're not planted in the church. I hear this all the time. People are like, can I, can I, can I be a Christian and not you know, be in a church. I, I, don't, I don't think you'll live. Mark, Mark chapter four, I, I don't think, I, no, I don't think you can be planted. The Bible says that the seed was scattered on the ground. This, the devil came and took it. Then there was some seed that never actually got planted. And what happened? It was shallow. It burned up and it died. I don't believe that's true. Can a baby be born without a family? No. There's a mom and a dad. I know that's completely controversial now. It wasn't five minutes ago. You know, in Genesis, the Bible says God created them male and female. Three times, just so we wouldn't miss it. What's the culture attacking? Truth, at the very base level. You know, Satan can't touch God. What, what does somebody who hates you, how, but can't touch you, what do they do? They go after your family. They go after the truth. The truth is what sets us free. We can't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. We have to cooperate with God. The Bible helps us think. The Holy Spirit gives us vision for how to move, where to go. But the local church is the vehicle for kingdom action. It is that simple. When we start talking about mental health, there's lots of opinions about mental health. Lots of theories. What I'm going to talk to you about in a few moments, this is not theory. This is the Bible. You can build your entire life on it. It works, but not by itself. You want change in your life? It's not going to come without change. Where does that change happen first in the way you think? So why do you need to manage your mental health biblically? The first point I want to talk about here is my thoughts control my life. My thoughts control my life. Every single action begins with a thought. Proverbs 4.22 says, be careful. Why would you get a warning to be careful? Because most people aren't careful. Be careful. Be careful how you think. Be careful who you give influence to in your life. Be careful who speaks into your children. Be careful, why? Because most people aren't careful just like the path to destruction is wide. Many are on it, but the narrow path, you've gotta be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Next, the mind is the battleground for sin. It's the battleground. Every single thing that entangles us as believers it all happens in our mind we think temptation is something that's out there it's external it's circumstantial but it's not most battles in our life are lost between our ears I love Romans chapter 7 it's so encouraging to me because I don't know about you but you know it's like 
Sometimes it's just like, I just fall short. I miss it. I need to say, there is a God in heaven and I am not him. Sometimes I don't always hit the goal or the target. Sometimes there's like this internal struggle and tension. Can I just tell you, you're not alone. The apostle Paul wrote two thirds of the letters to the early church and he still struggled with it. Look what he says in Romans chapter seven, verse 22. With my whole heart, I agree with everything in this book. It's good, it's true. Yes and amen. But in every part of me, I discover something fighting against my mind. And it makes me a prisoner of sin that controls everything I do. This is what happens when you give your life to Christ. Before I gave my life to Christ, man, sin was enjoyable. Then I gave my life to Christ and all of a sudden it's like, it's not enjoyable anymore. Man, there's still temptation there. And there's this tug of war that happens. And it's a tug of war between two forces. This is important for you to understand. There's only two enemies on the battlefield. We're going to talk about some enemies, break those down. But really it comes down between you're either going to live by your spirit or by your flesh. Your spirit is that part of you that's born again in Christ. I know many of you have heard that, but you need to keep hearing that. Because it is so tempting in this material world to pretend that this is all there is. There's a difference between this material, what is. And then there's a difference with how, with, with how you're called to live your life. Those are not the same thing. You see, our materialistic world has tried to collapse those in. And I'm telling you, it is destroying the mental health of our nation. And even believers, by balkanizing different parts of our mind and separating little compartments, it begins to turn it into itself. So if you have the spirit, which is the living God in you on one side, you also have what the apostle Paul calls in other places, the flesh. That's your soul and your body all mixed into one. It's your thinker, your feeler, and your chooser all together with your senses. You've got to accept that there's gonna be a tension there. This is the power of the church. You learn how to overcome sin and how to manage that tension by the spirit of God in this place. That's the purpose of the church. It's interesting because the mind is the key place, is the place, is the battlefield of sin, but the mind is also the key to peace and happiness. It's the key to peace and happiness too. So it's not just the battleground for sin, but it's also the place we find peace. You know what we think? We think that we find peace in our circumstances, but Jesus said that's not true. He said, in this world, you will have what? Trouble, that's not peace. Not like we think it. You're gonna have trouble in your circumstances. Things are gonna happen that you didn't expect, that you didn't see coming. Things are gonna take longer and cost more than you originally thought. But what does he say? But take heart, for I have overcome the world. The world teaches you, and this is important if you're a young person, and I see lots of young people in here. The world tells you that your feelings are all that there is. That your feelings should drive your actions and what you believe is true, but that's not right. Feelings aren't fact. And if you're not careful, they'll lead you straight to destruction. They're great when they're great, but they're really, really bad when they're not. The Bible teaches us that it's not our feelings that drive our actions, it's our actions that drive our feelings. Think about that for a moment. I don't feel like it, get up and do it anyways. Neuroscience, over and over again, says the best thing for human beings is to put some weight on the bar, to do something hard. You should always be challenging yourself, pushing yourself forward. The sign that you don't feel like, it's probably the sign you should step up and do it. And then you know what happens, and I've done this. I've gotten up and I started moving and all of a sudden the feelings followed. That's different in the world. The mind is the, pee, is the key to peace and happiness. Romans 8, 6. So letting your sinful nature control your, control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and 
peace. What does this battle practically look like? The Apostle Paul says to the, to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Look at this. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. He uses this word stronghold. That is a deep-seated lie that we believe. Behind every sin in your life is some lie you're believing about you, God, or someone else. Look what he says. We, first, we have to take captive. We have to be aggressive. I know we see those nice little Renaissance paintings of Jesus, but there were times when Jesus was aggressive. There are times in your life, especially in your mind, where you're gonna have to be aggressively take control of a thought. This just happened. My wife called me in between services and she told me she was taking our youngest to the hospital. He has pneumonia, apparently. They're gonna admit him. You know, the first thoughts that came through my mind, you know what I did? I banished them. You have to learn to do that. You have feelings, man. Feelings happen. You get let down, man. You're worried. You're scared. You have to be able to take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. You have to t- make them obedience. It's obedience or actions that drive your feelings. So in the closing few minutes I have, I'm going to give you three habits, three practices it's not just enough to understand and to mentally assent I love this the word obey in the Hebrew there is no word for obey there's only listen to listen literally means to obey meaning that if you hear something but you don't do it you actually didn't listen anybody have kids (laughs) why does the Bible repeat itself because we don't get it the first time I grew up at a church where a pastor you know he pastored very spiritual people and these very spiritual people were always wanting a fresh word And one day he just got so frustrated. He said, you know what? I'll give you a fresh word when you do something with the last one. one. What is that? That's obedience. You see, it's not complicated. You don't need a theology degree. You don't need like, you don't need to dissect every little thing to take the next step. Uh, you You just have to take the next step, wait for the next one, and then take the next one. What are some things that you need to do? First, you've got to feed your mind with truth. We all know the importance of physical nutrition. You're going to hear about that next week. I'm praying for you and me. But you've got to make sure that your inputs are healthy. Many of us, we don't succeed in our thought life because all we're listening to is the news. By the way, they're all liars. I don't care which side you like. They're all liars. There's always an agenda. I never walk into a car lot expecting them to just be altruistic and just, they just really want to serve me. Really? No, they don't. I know they don't because I walk out with a car I can't afford a rent I can't pay and now I'm living in my car come on you've got to learn to feed yourself with truth input equals output John eight thirty two says and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free Matthew 4 4 Jesus says man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God the Bible is our manual for life Incidentally, it's also the number one job of the leaders in the church to make sure that they never stop preaching the truth. We see this in Jesus. He goes to the cross and the night of the resurrection, he's resurrected. And how many of you guys have ever heard of the Great Commission? It's like one in Matthew, but there's actually three. Just so we wouldn't miss it, Jesus gave us three commands after his resurrection, before his ascension on the Mount of Olives. He gave it to three different authors at three different times in order, just so we wouldn't miss it. The first thing that he did is he appeared to the disciples the night of the resurrection. Maybe you remember the scene. 
They're terrified. They're scared. They're huddled up. They're about to get canceled. And I mean like real canceled. I don't mean Facebook jail, okay? I mean like they are terrified that the religious leaders are gonna do to them what they just saw done to their Lord. The door was locked. Jesus knocked and they were too scared to open the door. He had a resurrected body, so he just walked through the wall. I'm pretty excited about that, by the way. I can't wait. And what's the first words out of his mouth? Preach the gospel everywhere. Don't be quiet. The apostle Paul teaches us that how are they gonna know if we don't say anything? You know, there's a bumper sticker I can't stand. It's, it's, it's horrible. It says, preach the gospel. Use words and if necessary. That sounds pretty austin but it's not biblical. It's not biblical. The worst thing that can happen is that somebody looks at you and they think you're good, but they don't see God in you. How do they know it's God? Your mouth, that's how they know it's God. That's how they know. And these disciples were back, not saying anything. And this is important because a lot of the situations we're in right now, one of the things I love about Pastor Nate and Ashley, there is not any situation where they are going to vacate or step back from biblical truth. That's their job as a shepherd. That's their job. And, and I say this to archers, I'm gonna say it here and he can clean up the mess. Okay, I don't work for you. He doesn't work for you either. And that's really important because if he worked for you, he'd have to make you happy and tell you things that may not be true. Now we have people who can spank us and we have oversight and all of that. Okay, but the reality is the word of God is the most important thing. For some of you are sitting here going, no, 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 it's feeding children and it's, and it's, and it's, it's doing all of the ministries. And no, 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 it's Easter eggs. That's the main thing. No, it's not. Read the book of Acts. What happened? When the Greek and the Hebrew widow started to fight, there was a problem in the church. Everyone said, we need the leader to come fix it. The leaders came down and said, I'm not going to wait tables. Raise up spirit-filled people to do the work of the ministry. That's the power of the church. It's the power of the church. It's one of the reasons this church is so healthy. It's unbelievable. I walk in and all of the people making things happen. Listen, do not discount. Jesus said he will remember a little cup given to kids. Imagine the reward set for you in taking care of our kids back there. Imagine opening up the door for someone. Imagine, you know, setting all of this up. I don't know how to use any of this. I can barely turn on my iPhone. Imagine all of the service. I can't stand hiring staff, and I want to tell you why. They have their reward. It's called a paycheck. And they're robbing other people of having rewards. Our job is to equip people, not to just do things. Why? Because there's a reward in heaven. And, you know, you also find meaning in solving problems. I remember the first time uh, we had our very first meeting. We were 13 people in my living room, and it was taco night, and I was in charge, and I forgot to defrost the, the hamburger meat. And then, to make matters worse, I also didn't cook the taco shells. That makes no sense. They're already hard. I don't get it. Why do they need to go in the oven? That makes no sense to me. And I had a couple ladies, they're still in our church today, a couple ladies see me in my desperation, and they came over. And they said, you know what, pastor, you don't need to be doing this anymore. You're not good at it. <laughs> and, you know, they said it nice. You know, it was like, oh, bless your heart. We're not going to do this anymore. <laughs> and they took over it. You know what's happened ever since then? God's brought the right people at the right time. And you know where they came from? Easter extravaganza. Inviting people to Easter. It could change somebody's life. It also changes the directory of the church. You know, we're believing God for a building. I believe God's going to be so much bigger than what we're looking at, Pastor. I just believe it. I can feel it in this place. It's going to happen. Okay, but you know what? We're gonna need to actually like occupy it and be able to run it. You never rise to the occasion. You always fall to the level of your preparation. What does he do? He begins to move people around the body of Christ and get all the right pieces in place. So what should you do? Continue to do what you already know. 
continue to serve, continue to give, continue to be faithful, continue to consume so much truth that no lie or deception from hell could ever knock you off God's goodness. And I'm getting a little preachy. I'm an explainer, Pastor Nia's a preacher, but when I'm around him, I get a little preachy. The next is I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. Fill my mind with truth. You need to free your mind from destructive thoughts. Remember, the devil accuses, the Holy Spirit asks questions, right? The devil puts shame on you, which paralyzes you, okay? The Holy Spirit puts conviction on you, which moves you. That's the difference. There are three enemies you need to be paying attention to. First, your flesh. I already covered that, soul and body. We learned about that in Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul. This is important, Romans 8, 5, for those who live according to flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. You get to choose. Married people in here, this is huge. If you focus on every negative thing in your spouse, guess what the only thing you're gonna see is? Everything that they do wrong. But if you focus on all the things they do right, guess what happened? All of the other things, they're really not important. It's how it is in your life, in your faith. We can focus on all the negative or we can take responsibility for what God's put in our hands. We can't do both. Next, you have an enemy. His name is Satan. He cannot force any believer to do anything. He doesn't possess believers. However, he will use you if you don't know the truth of God's word, if you're not rejecting deception. 1 John 4, 4 says, he who is in you is greater. I'm gonna say greater than he who is in the world. One day the Bible says we're gonna see Satan. And we're going to be like, that little punk caused all of those problems. We'll be shocked. He's a paper tiger, church. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you. We need to stop being scared. We need to stop being silent. You know, you can say no and be nice. You can say no thank you. My pastor taught me years ago, if you want to say something hard, say something difficult for people to hear, just say it and then smile. You can do that. You southern brothers and sisters, bless your heart. That's what you say. It's okay to not copy the behaviors and customs of the world. Young people, it's okay to be different. You know, I was thinking about, I was seeing all of these teenagers here. It's pretty incredible. And I, I, uh, I was thinking about when I was in high school, and I was thinking about all the people that I grew up with. And I'll be honest with you, there was the, the cool and the popular and all of this. And I see the people who honor God and the ones who didn't. The ones who didn't, their lives are a wreck. The ones who did, I was a dork in high school. I was a nerd in high school. I didn't have any friends, but I loved God and I got connected to the church. It changes everything. It changes everything. It's powerful. First John 2, 16. This is the next enemy, the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You know, all the things that we struggle with in our flesh that's our soul and our body. They break down into three categories and this will help you because if you can expect it, you can begin to build fences around it. When you're young, I, I think you deal with all of these, okay? These are all the ways that Adam and Eve were tempted and they fell. These are all the ways in Matthew 4 that Jesus was tempted and he succeeded. Every single one of them. Peter talks about this here. Okay, the first is the lust of the flesh. This is the lust of the flesh. When you're younger, you deal with this a lot. Right, you deal with this a lot. You gotta get that under control. Sex outside of God's boundaries. That's the lust of the flesh. You know, boundaries and borders are made by God. Did you know that? I don't lock my door at night because I hate everyone on the outside. I lock my door at night because I love everybody on the inside. 
God gave us boundaries. Boundaries help you get where you're going faster. But you've got to mind the boundaries. Next, the lust of the eyes. Something happens when you get a little older. You've mastered the lust of the flesh. Now, you've got to master the lust of the eyes. You know what that is? Expecting something that costs someone else everything for nothing. It's looking over the fence and thinking, I should have more by now. Their grass is so green. But you know what I've, known, I've learned? You know grass is green when you water it. It doesn't matter what side of the fence it's all on. Take care of what God's put into your hand. The lust of the eyes, is, is, that's the spirit of our country right now. Everyone's so resentful, so resentful of each other for what they have. And then you have the pride of life. You typically deal with this in old age. You know, I don't care if you're 150 in here. If you are, I want to meet you for sure. But until, you're, until your last breath, breath, breath you're, you're still learning. You're still growing. You're still moving forward. You know, it's amazing in our church. We have three generations. Every healthy family is three generations. You got kids, parents, and grandparents, and we all need each other. We all need each other. I'm going to tell you, kids are crazy, and we need parents that have the energy to deal with them. But they also bring life. Kids bring so much life. Some of you in here, your kids have left. You've not been around kids. Your backs are starting to get stiffened, you know. You're starting to get a little what I would call in Oklahoma crotchety. Come on. You like things your way. Kids are a blessing to you. They just mess up every, all of it. It's awesome. You need some of that. But you know what? That younger generation needs your wisdom. Desperately. I said this at a church not too long ago. I, I said this to the older people in the church. I said, don't, don't let their lack of appreciation diminish their need for you. They need you. They need you more than you could possibly imagine. And they're just too dumb to realize it yet. But eventually they will. And those seeds, those seeds will bear fruit. The world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Finally, my last point. I'm only 37 seconds over, Pastor Nate. I know y'all are hungry. I can see you kind of looking at me. Next, I must focus my mind on good things. I must focus my mind on good things. What are those good things? I'm glad you asked. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4 8. Finally, brethren, we've talked about all the other stuff. I'm closing with this. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if, any, if there's anything praiseworthy, worthy, think or meditate on these things. Change your focus. There are so many great things happening in your life and our world. God could have picked any time in human history to plant your feet in this place. You are never in a room by accident. God isn't, listen, the heroes of old, they're not coming back. They achieved God's plan in their life. And the Bible says in Hebrews, they're up in grandstands, wishing they could be in our season. We have everything we need. We've got to do it God's way. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing in this wonderful church. God, I'm blown away at the acceleration that I feel in this place. And Father, I, I thank you for the wonderful future. Right now, Father, we pray that you lead us to the perfect building, to the perfect permanent home. Father, we believe it's going to happen. In the meantime, Lord, continue to prepare us. Continue to grow us and disciple us. You always do a work in us before you do a work through us. Father, we pray for that work in us. 
through your Holy Spirit, speak to us, lead us, and guide us. God, I also pray for anybody in here that doesn't know you. I pray, Father, that they would surrender their life to you. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I want to stay in an attitude of prayer. We're almost done. Maybe you're in here today and you're far from God. Listen, I don't, I don't have to, like, thump you with the Bible, ask you an awkward question, embarrass you, call you for it. I'm not going to do any of those things. You know if you're playing with God or not. And he knows too. And I, I, I gave my life to Christ nearly 30 years ago, and I can save you a lot of heartache and pain. You will never be all that you were created to be apart from knowing God, your creator. And you can't get to him apart from the person of Christ. His death on a cross for your sins because you're not right. He was. You weren't good enough. He was and is. But he didn't just stay on that cross and die. He rose from the dead so that you too could rise, so that you could have life. Not just any life, John says, but the best life now but you won't get there your way. And their heads are bowed, eyes are closed. In a moment, I just want to pray for anybody in here that may be far from God and want to change that today. If you're in here and you want to be included in that prayer, would you just acknowledge that by lifting your hand? Is there anybody here you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm far from God. I'd like prayer. God, I thank you so much for this wonderful church. Father, I thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. I pray, God, that you would just continue to work this place, Father. I pray that people far from you would come here. They would hear your truth in your word. I pray, God, that you would open up opportunities for each and every person to invite people this Easter, this season. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for everything you've given us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for hanging out. I guess I was hanging out. Come on up. Thank so you, glad Pastor to have Nate. you today. Great you did work, a great man. job. Thank you. you great Thank job. you. And I love that word today. And if you've been around for a while, you know, that's just who we are. Remember, just people who stand on the truth of God's word. There is nothing greater. There is nothing smarter. There's not anything more reliable than that. And so thank you, Pastor Stephen, for leading the way in that. I was thinking while you were talking, you know, you didn't mention this. And some people here know, know uh, and some don't. But uh, part of Part of teaching truth starts young, too, and um, they have this year started a school uh, in, there in Harker Heights, Vintage Christian Academy, and we're going to be, hey, listen, I'm just telling you now, we're going to have a location of that here, too, one day, because we know that we have got to train up a child in the way they should go, and, um, and, and though we're grateful for the public school to meet in, I got to tell you, the public school is not getting it done, and so we're going we're gonna to continue to pray and support what you guys are doing and look forward to the time when we get to do that as well. Anyway, I know you want to eat, probably smell the hamburgers coming in. So I just want to tell you, if, if you, I don't, I don't know if you raised your hand or not, but when he was there at the end and you're saying, man, I need Jesus, whether you raised your hand or not, if you know in your heart that you need to surrender to him today, I want to invite you to do two things. One, when the service is over, before you get that juicy burger, come up, come up here. We got Stacy and Raya. They've got a resource ready for you called Start Here. It's a 21 day guided devotional that will help you Begin your walk in following Jesus well. Get in that thing and do it. The second thing is come back. Don't, don't try to do this on your own. It's just too hard. God has given us spiritual family for a reason. So let me pray for you, and then we're going to get out of here. God, we thank you so much for all the work that you're doing here in this church, Lord, and through all of our churches and through every church, Lord, that is teaching and preaching what is true from your word. Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless, Lord, the work that you began. And we know, Lord, that when you begin it, you're faithful to complete it. And we're so grateful for the honor and privilege to be 
a part of what you're doing. Lord, would you today, as every person leaves this room, would you just fill them with your spirit, Lord, the spirit of wisdom, spirit of knowledge, Lord, the spirit of, of love and truth. Lord, and would you empower us and equip us to go out and to be that salt and light in the world around us. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody said amen. Well, you're dismissed. Please stop by. Get something to eat. Take something to your neighbors. Like I said, if you're a vegan, just make a donation. But we want you to support getting these kids to camp. Y'all have a great day. God bless you.